scared me at the end. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> Okay. Can you hear me now? Testing, can you hear?
top right. That's what it was. to be one once in my life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be cute. 
have an outfit with a, a shirt with a bunch of targets on them. Well, it's officially 10:31. Do you want to navigate back to the office, or do you want to just pray here in the corner, or what's what's good for you? Well, let's go ahead and pray. Testing, there it is. Testing, one, two.
Good morning and happy 4th of July. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's look at a couple announcements. Offerings in the offering box, of course. Andrea's number as usual. Days of praise and the acts and facts are here. Uh, again, we're landing on 4th of July this Sunday, so I hope it's enjoyable for you. We want to um, remember the holiday. Baby bottles, they're uh, available on the foyer table, and um, bring them back full. SGBA Camp 2021, um, that's at Camp Lael again this year, uh, starting next week, July 11th through 16th. I was speaking with Phil earlier today. He is going to be in charge of the archery range, so pray diligently for Phil. Remember our communion service will resume next week, the 11th. Okay, a little, little off timing still, but uh, we'll get that going again. Um, I have a note. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. Dear church family, Pastor and our entire family would like to thank the church for your outpouring of love on our behalf in these last weeks. Thank you for your practical generosity of providing meal train dinners in the immediate days post-transplant surgery. Each and every one was delicious. Most of all, thank you for your continued prayers you have offered on Pastor and our behalf since the beginning of his chronic illness until the God-given miracle of his new kidney. You have been to us the hands and feet of Jesus, carrying our burden as you can. And we know that you join with us in our great thanksgiving to our very great God. In Christ, Pastor, the Lukes, the Armstrongs, and the Offenbeckers. Thank you for that note. All right, let's place that here and we'll post it. Anything I've missed or forgotten? Our scripture reading this morning uh, for meditation is in Hebrews, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, 1863 in the Pew Bible.
Bill, would you open for us? You take your brown hymnal this morning and turn to number 571. 571.
six nine brown. Mm. All right, any reason? without the song. That's why. Okay. <laughs> okay. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven.
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness.
prisoner should be fined. Thanks. A good morning to all of you. Can you hear me all right? I gotta take my glasses off to see the other side of the building here. Jared, do I sound? Okay. No protests. What I want to do this morning is begin a two-part series, and it's called Awakened. And uh, I want to read a text for you first, and then we'll begin with a word of prayer before we start this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So we must listen very carefully to the truths we have heard, or we may drift away from them. For since the message from angels have always proved true, and people have always been punished for disobeying them, what makes us think that we can escape if we are indifferent, if we are uh, can't think of the word now, to this great salvation announced by the Lord Jesus himself and passing uh, and passed on to us by those who heard him speak. That's, by the way, the living Bible. That's why I chose to read it myself, <laughs> because I, I don't think anyone has a living Bible here, do they? <laughs> Wouldn't think so. There, It's a it's not necessarily a good uh, translation. Let's pray. Father, as we begin today, I ask, Lord, that you would give us understanding and wisdom in these things, that we may indeed give you praise and thanks for all you have done for us as your people. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, and tenderize our mind that we might truly think on these things for your namesake. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. By way of introduction today, we are going to take a spiritual journey through the Bible, a pilgrimage that begins with the writing of Moses and ends with the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Hebrew text that we just read indicates that the saints of God have drifted away spiritually and now we need to be reminded again of our obligation to the truth of God's word. Isn't it amazing how we can have the Bible before us and people can quote it and you can hear them quote it and you say that's not what that says. That is not the meaning of that passage. And yet, that's the predicament that we're in today. And they are taking God's word out of context, or they're adding their own thoughts to it, and all of this eventually begins to take a toll upon the truth. 
The saints of God were given a clear warning by Christ concerning the spiritual decline among the Christian saints in the latter days. The satanic, satanic deception of the so-called Christians, the apostles of wickedness, and the upright or unrighteous, rather, sorry, conduct that would creep into his local assembly. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Consider what is being said here by Christ. One, note that these individuals invoke the name of Jesus for the work of religion they are involved in doing. Two, note that the context of Christ's words to them is for the coming day of judgment when Christ will judge all men for what they have done in the flesh. Three, note that although they think they are Christians, Jesus says to them, he never, never at any point in time, either a long time ago, today in the present, or tomorrow in the future. He has never known them. It's interesting that we have this kind of uh, um, information, an absolute no, in the New Testament Greek, and how important it is for us to understand that when God says no in this way, he means no. Not no if you do things right, not no in possibility, not no in hope, but no never and wow does that ever change the thoughts of most people we don't think that way do we if my wife says no to me i always hold out the hope that well maybe she'll change her mind and that's possible but in reality when god tells us no that no is absolute it means never it means impossible. And so we need to think in those terms when we're reading uh, these verses of Scripture having to do with Christ's condemnation of these so-called Christians. Jesus says to them that he never, never at any point in time and space, nor in any way, knew them. Beloved, we, according to the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, are only um, must recognize that they are only pretend Christians. For 
Note that what James says in James 2.19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Because they know the truth and they'd like it to be otherwise, but it can't be because God has said no. This passage in James is talking about our outward appearance in looking like we are spiritually okay. The original Greek words used here in this expression are kalos, meaning well, and poeho, meaning to do. The idea expressed here is that the demons give a right answer, but they are still under the eternal condemnation and judgment of Almighty God for their unbelief. Beloved, as believers, we are being sent a warning by God concerning our relationship to this world and the truth of Scripture. Let's see, which one do we believe? Do we believe what the Scripture says? Or do we say to ourselves, oh, we're sophisticated, we're educated, in fact, we are quite spiritually adept at understanding what is happening around us. But God says, no, you don't. You don't know, and you're not that smart. And we must be able to understand that uh, God's will is being accomplished for those who live in unbelief. Beloved, as, uh, as believers, we are being sent a warning by God concerning our relationship to this world and the truth of Scripture. Jesus has made it clear. Luke 6, 46 and 47 declares. I think that's you, brother. But why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew 7, verse 24. Rather than seeing the wickedness of this world around us and being motivated to speak the truth in love concerning the eternal judgment of God upon those who live wicked, deny their Savior, and reject his commands, we treat them as if they are fellow believers and do not warn them of their lost condition before God and of their sure, certain, and eternal condemnation to hell. For this reason, Paul warns each of us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It certainly seems to fit today's average Christian, I would say. Beloved, God warns his children about forgetting to worship the Lord aright, doing so with proper motive 
and acceptable uh, and accepting the whole truth of his word. We dare not sin even as Eve sinned by believing Satan's half-truth. You may ask, in what manner should the saints of God live before the Almighty? Well, first, by separating ourselves from the wickedness of this world. We can't dabble in what the world offers. We just can't do it. That's not where God wants us to be. By living righteous or righteously holy and separated lives before Jehovah God. And C, or third, by following the word of God in and separated lives before, uh, oops, I didn't drop down a line, excuse me, by following the word of God in complete obedience. That sounds better. Indeed, this is the challenge of our Christian conduct, how to live a holy life for God in a wicked world. I think it's interesting how that uh, God has opened up our minds to this truth that we have been dealing with here, that we be given um, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe the scriptures. It sounds easy, but yet, do we do that? as we should. I think that this could be well illustrated if we think of it in terms of it being a a, uh, proverb, that God has given us a proverb so that we don't have to have all of it if we just hear one part of it. Our mind should immediately add the others in and that way remind ourselves of the complete truth. There are uh, at least six passages of scripture that give evidence of this urgent divine warning to the saints of God. I think that you will be surprised by the contents of this message, which God has stealthily hidden throughout his Bible. Yes, I said hidden because indeed it is a message that is in plain sight for all to see yet one that is indiscernible without comparing scripture with scripture, a message that is only revealed to us through prayer and when we are earnestly engaged in the effort of diligent study. So you may ask, what makes you think that you have this special understanding And why is it no one else preaching and teaching? And why isn't no one else preaching and teaching this same message? Well, to be honest, I don't know. (laughs) It took me more than two years to recognize this urgent message existed. And it was discovered in conjunction with a Bible study that I did with a friend of mine, Reverend Uh, uh, Terry uh, Conroy. It was he that drew my attention in the first place to this passage and uh, its message by Moses. See Deuteronomy 29.4. 
I would encourage you to read all of Deuteronomy and that you, um, Deuteronomy 29.4, <laughs> and that you read it from beginning to end. Does anybody know what Deuteronomy 29 ends with? What is it? Mystery? I think that's Tim speaking softly. It ends with that uh, there are um, the secret things belong to God. And uh, it's something for us to remember that these are not things necessarily that we are supposed to know. So, let me continue if I might. It was he that drew my attention in the first place to this passage and the message uh, that is mentioned by Moses. You run across this same message in the ministry of Christ as it is found in the book of Matthew. And... Uh, John's Gospel, and the book of Acts, etc. For example, in his earthly ministry, Jesus took the message, occasion, and opportunity to make this connection between the Old Testament and New Testament, just so that we would understand and know that God hasn't changed his mind, that this is still the word of God, it is still God's will, and it is still what we are supposed to be doing. And in Deuteronomy 29.4, God speaks to the people of Israel, and he says, all those years you wandered the desert, and you haven't learned a thing. <laughs> and I wonder if that's not maybe our problem as well. For example, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, we read in Matthew 11, verses 13 and 15. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John the Baptist. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, that's part of the uh, idea of the proverb that I mentioned to you a little bit earlier. The concluding statement that Jesus makes at the end of this warning is the key that unlocks the hidden message, a proverb, if you will, of God's warning to us of a straight path to eternal bliss. bliss. Easy for me to say. The mantle of Christ's ministry was passed on to the apostle of Peter and Paul, who then gave it to the slumbering saints of that day. This admonition to live righteously and holy lives is given to each of us by asking God to reveal his word to our hearts. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. And do this, which is to show Christian love to one another, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, 
For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Beloved, we are commanded by Christ and God as you see the day approaching. See Hebrews 10.25 if you're looking for that reference. To spiritually prepare ourselves for the final hours of Christ's gospel of grace and hope being proclaimed to the lost. If you are going to say, I believe, in the sure return of Jesus Christ, let us openly proclaim that it is near at hand and let us rejoice in the truth of his warning to the believing saints of our day to get busy for Christ's sake. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for God's sake. Amen. The prophet Isaiah says this about our final days on earth. Isaiah 26, 20, and 21. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold... The Lord, who is Jehovah, comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Yes. Again, we read this as to God's intent for his people in the last days. Joel 3, verses 14 and 16, or through 16. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark, and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord, who is Jehovah, also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but Jehovah God will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Dear ones, we are told by our sovereign Savior that in the days to come, that that time will be like the time of the ten plagues in Egypt, when God brought all manner of divine judgment upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, that God at the same time spared the children of God from his wrath, that he promised them, protected them, and gave provision and hope to them. Here in our Isaiah 26 text, we are told to hide from the wrath of God for a little moment. By the way, that is not saying wait for a rapture. That is man's idea, not God's. 
but is a, this is a pattern of the grace of Jehovah God, divine and merciful care of us. Again, I remind you of Paul's admonition to the saints in Rome. Romans 13, 12 through 14. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, the day of judgment, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is both our battle cry and our marching orders into the battle that looms before us. If we are to know and obey God's command to understand his scripture, we must begin that spiritual journey by asking for his spiritual wisdom. See James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Right? Isn't that what it says? Sounds like a good idea to me. As the day of Christ approaches, we need to be ready to speak the truth in love to those who have not believed, but have instead followed a satanic lie concerning their own religiosity and the pitiful condition of their blinded eyes and darkened soul. As Jesus declares, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Our Savior is talking about having spiritual ears to hear and spiritual eyes of faith to see the truth of his word and a discerning heart to know and declare his revealed will. For only then can we worship and serve him properly. Let us now begin in the following six warnings given for us to ponder and to follow in the scriptures. And uh, I'm going to read the first one, even though I didn't plan on going that farther. I thought it said 20 after 12. How did I preach that along? It's only 20 after 11. <laughs> Scary. The first warning is given by God. Deuteronomy 29, 2 through 4. Now, oh, excuse me. Have you got that? Okay. Deuteronomy 29, verses 2 through 4 states, Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen with your physical eyes all that the Lord, who is Jehovah, before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land the great trials which your eyes have seen the signs and those great wonders yet Jehovah has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day do you remember how many uh went to um, 
the promised land who came out of Egypt, or out of the desert and went to the promised land? Anybody remember how many? Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses did not make that journey. And it's interesting how that we can uh, hear these things and yet not stop and think about the implication of what is being said. That none of them that were in the wilderness journey passed on to the so-called promised land. Only those who had stood and had uh, continued to worship God aright. In this passage, we are clearly told that uh, God has not given the Israelites the spiritual insight and understanding needed for them to heed Jehovah's warning of pending disaster for the so-called people of God. Look at the preceding verse. Uh, verses in Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 through 65. A rather long portion, but I think well to read. Can you read that? If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord, who is Jehovah, will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. Now, in this passage, there are several place, places where it declares the Lord your God. You'll see that that word Lord in the King James and New King James is all in capital letters. If you look up in Strong's Concordance, you find that that Lord is uh, Strong's number 3068, or the name Jehovah. And it would do you well to learn to see that and to practice it as part of your faith. That as you read scripture, you don't let that slip. Because when you speak the name Jehovah, you are speaking God's work of salvation and redemption. It is Jehovah who saves. 
is it is, it is Jehovah who redeems. And it's very important that you understand that he's the one who is designating the end time and what is going on, that we can be saints of God who are taken to heaven by his power and his design. So we have seen the first place where God warns his people about carefully observing the precise letter of his holy and inspired or God-breathed word. It ought to uh, be obvious to all who are willing to honestly look into this matter of truth that there is so much spiritual dribble that passes for being called the truth of God in our day. But I ask you to know this spiritual blindness, um, to ask you to know how this spiritual blindness came about. There is only one truth to follow and practice as thus saith Jehovah God. In plain and simple terms, the organized church of our day has failed to teach and practice the holy, inspired, and righteous truth uh, of Scripture. That is the only reason why there are so many different kinds of religious organizations. God's word is the same. It is we, the saints of God, who have failed to dig into the Scriptures and ask Jehovah God for grace to understand his truth. Remember, they didn't have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe who were in the wilderness. But we need to ask for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart of belief to understand God's scripture, his will, and purpose in our own lives. Now, that is the only reason why there are so many different kinds of religious organizations. God's word is the same. It is we, the saints of God, who have changed. And it's we who are indifference to God's word. Now, that's only because we have failed to ask God to give us spiritual wisdom so that we can learn from Scripture, so that we can see what God wants us to see, and so that we can exalt God for his great salvation. Dare we dig into the Scriptures and ask Jehovah God for grace to understand his truth? Dare we assume anything that we believe, hear, and practice is of God? Or should we check it out? Should we find other places in Scripture where he commands us to do those things and then be diligent to be faithful? However, this Deuteronomy text is enough to get us started in our journey of discovery for today. We'll close with a word of prayer, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a, a little bit of singing to endure. And uh, 
all of us need to give a good quiet thinking on this because next week you're going to hear the latter part of the message. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much today for your presence here. The quietness, Lord, of our congregation speaks well to the need of our hearts to hear what you have to say. Father, open our mind, open our eyes, open our ears so that we might recognize that you have great things in store for your people. Bless this day and bless your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Do we have a song? Five seventeen in the hymnal. I heard it after the fourth time. Oh, just, just looked at me. I thought you were <laughs> in the hymnal. <laughs> not only can I not walk very well, but I can't hear very well either.
We ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts um, to your word. And we take hold and we change us. We are thankful, of course, Lord, today for our country, for the great blessings that you have bestowed upon her that we enjoy and we don't give you the thanks for it often enough. We ask, Lord, that you would make us thankful people and that we be humble before you. Bless us now as we go on our 